0: Paul George here. Adam Conk, welcome to the show. Good to be with you today, man.
1: Great to be with you, Paul.
0: Yeah, absolutely. As always. And uh, thanks everyone for for listening, whether on uh, the radio or podcast online, or whatever the case may be. Well, I got to thank um, you
1: for something because as we're as we're talking about how great it is to be together, <laughs> I'm realizing right you've saved me a ton of money in like life coach fees or psychologist fees like just just listening to this show and being a part of it right for over a year and a half now by the way
0: well you're super nice for saying that it's all the conversations we have off air
1: that are
0: that are really cool actually and we actually probably a really good radio show would be the conversations that we don't have on the air yeah yeah
1: but if we aired them how many people would be upset with us
0: i don't know i think people would be like (laughs) wow that's that's kind of real life stuff you're right. I mean, but but it's good. It's good. You know, so I, I'm excited about our show. we got a great guest today um, and a recurring guest. We're going to talk about some cool things. You're certainly in the middle of Lent. I don't know if that means anything for you, uh, but we'll talk about <laughs> that. Uh, but I got to get to this right here before we get into that is, ha- have you seen this?
1: What did you say? That is so interesting.
0: Oh, for real, though? Yeah, for real. So... I don't know if you've seen this, but this fascinates me. So uh, this, you know, this Russian uh, super wealthy guy Elon Elon Musk. Have you heard of this oh, guy? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so he's into he's got so much money that he's into space exploration. That's when you know you have money. It's <laughs> when it's like it's like you have so much that you don't even know what to do with. I that, think I'll be my own NASA. Yeah, that you'll just lay in bed at night. <laughs> th- you know what? Let's let's just let's do go sp- to Mars. Let's do space, right? <laughs> so this guy is um, lately is going up into space, and he's an owner of Tesla, the the car mm-hmm. um, Tesla, yeah. Tesla, yeah. And uh, so he's taking a Roadster. Tesla Roadster up into space, and he's going to put it into orbit. Wow, Morris, just because, yeah. just just because he can. So there's this image of him sitting in the car in space. <laughs> so he takes this thing up in one of his spaceship. Deals. So he's already done this rockets, yeah. Oh my and goodness! And then he's sitting in the car in orbit, like in the whole space outfit astronaut thing, and he's going to leave that thing in orbit.
1: He's gonna leave a car in orbit. Yep. Will it come down in like a field in Pennsylvania or something?
0: No, most experts say it's just gonna over time, uh, just disintegrate. Wow. Yeah. So, so the the Tesla the they start out at over a hundred grand.
1: <laughs> really?
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 So I, I don't know. Do you think there
1: might I'm I'm yeah. just throwing this out there. There right. might be a better use of the vehicle.
0: Yeah, you know, nobody's going to use it. It's going <laughs> to float up there. I'm sure there's some people without cars who can use it. But I guess when you have that much, I, I think to him, it's probably like a dollar to him. Yeah, or right? less even. Or even less. So if you could go up into space and put something into orbit and leave <laughs> it up there, <laughs> honestly, and just think that this is the coolest thing that I just did this, what, what would you bring up there?
1: Probably a statue of myself. Really? In orbit. Like a like a <laughs> monument. <laughs> See, I wouldn't want a monument on Earth, because it'd
0: be like weird. Like a bus? Of your, yeah. your, Like your face? Yeah. Your head, like like you were in the, like Hall, a of Fame, the Hall of Fame? The Space Hall of Fame?
1: And, you know, making a <laughs> silly pose. Nothing serious. I don't want to be like that guy. Right. But like a happy pose, like a Fonz, maybe. Like a
0: silly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And floating around up there. I can totally see you. Thumbs up, mouth open. Yeah, that face. That and maybe a little right message,
1: there. just in case we get a visitor one day. Right. You know, like an indis- Independence Day situation. Yeah. Like, hey, we're fun people down here don't blow us up
0: right yeah i don't know what would you do well the fact that you have to leave it up there like if you could put it up there and get it back immediately it'd be one of my kids <laughs> and and the reason is that is because i had this idea you know when we had a bunch of little kids and now they're older but then now we have a little one is you know when they're all kind of in the stuff and they're either like getting in trouble or fighting or they're you know like you have to handle one and the other one's running is these Velcro suits that you could just Velcro them to the wall, the kid, mm-hmm. for a moment. Just stick them there oh, yeah. and then go get the other one, right? So you know that they're not going to get in anything because they're stuck on the wall. That's a great idea. So if I can just put a kid in orbit for for like an <laughs> hour while I handle the other kids. But since I can't do that, um, I would probably, let me see, uh, if I could go up oh man well probably all the stuff in my attic <laughs> so space would become i'm like your the attic. anti-hoarder Is so it'd right? be like perfect like let's just take everything in our attic and just shoot it into space and just put it into space and get rid of it forever nice yeah so you would see like this you know like golf clubs golf clubs would be up there <laughs> you want to know what's in my attic? <laughs> yeah. uh, a fake Christmas tree that we haven't used in years. And we, years. Yep, like, we've all been there. So that would be and I'd be like, there's my Christmas tree. Um I think I'd save the Christmas ornaments, but um <laughs> yeah, just yeah, clothes from like way back when that you'll never wear again. Like bell-bottom days. Bell-bottom days. <laughs> Did you have bell-bottom days? <laughs> Speaking of those golf clubs, man. Yeah. I haven't used those in forever. Yeah. Life you know? happens, you know. Life happens. I got like ten shovels. I only need one, <laughs> right? I throw some shovels up there. Of course, those would be pretty bad if they if they came out of orbit. Yeah. See, that would be my that would be my fear. Yeah, is hurting somebody. All one right. Day. So, speaking of junk in the attic, so this is what I'm getting to. And you think, how in the world? Lent. <laughs> we're in the middle of Lent. We are. And when I approach Lent and I talk to people about Lent, uh, you know, a lot of times we kind of come into it, and uh, we haven't thought about it, and so we're in Lent, and maybe you still haven't thought about it, Uh, but when you approach Lent, what is it that you think about and and do? So here's how I approach it, okay? Uh, A lot of times, like I know there's practical things we should do, and there's fasting, and there's almsgiving, all these things uh, that are really good, but I'll oftentimes think of what is an internal or external virtue that I want to grow in my life that I need, and a lot of times I'll focus on that, you know. And so here's what I'm wrestling with. Uh-oh. Okay. What if that virtue's joy? And When you look at Lent, you just don't think Lent's happy. Well, we should. We should
1: think that. We should. But you know why we don't? It's the same reason why when I tell my 10-year-old what we're doing as a family for Lent, he, he's, he gets a boudet face.
0: Which, which, for those people who aren't in Louisiana, a boudet face means a frown. A frown. Yeah. A grimace. A bobbin.
1: Is that when we think that good times equals lots of fun things, Mm -hmm. when we start taking those fun things away, we think this is awful. Why would we ever do this? Right. But when we think that life is really about relationships with God and each other and that's what it's all about, then Lent excites us because we get to invest so much energy into that. And a lot of the wasted energy we use on, yeah. like for him, on candy or TV shows or whatever. Right. We waste all this emotional energy, not to say that they're bad things. Certainly. But we get to allocate, if we look at it as investment, allocate all of that mm-hmm. into our most important things in life. And so it's an awesome time if, yeah. if we have that perspective. You know, it's hard for a 10-year-old to think that way, but
0: as adults, we, we should be there. and I like that, because I'm going to tie all this in together, is if we could just take some of that clutter... Okay, Mm -hmm. we can take some of that wasted time or even some of the things that we do that are fine you know, or good and just put those into orbit for 40 days, (laughs) honestly, right? Like just say, okay, take my my junk, take take this this allocated time and I'm just going to get rid of it for 40 days and I'm going to take whatever energy and thought process or time and I want to focus on this for Lent with the goal of at the end of Lent I'm going to be a better person. Why? Because I've grown in my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And since you've grown, when you get those things back out of orbit, you're going to use them better, right? Right. Because they're, unless... They're in much better. You're going to take them and you're going to reorganize them in your life. You're not just going to pile them back up in the attic and just say, I'm going to put you right back where I'm It's like, oh, those golf clubs, maybe I should use them or maybe I should just sell them yeah. or give them away, right? You're going to have a different perspective about it. You know, um, so... You're right. So, as you're kind of evaluating your life and, and you're in the middle of it, it's never too late to kind of start this process. No way. No way. Well, and, uh, for me personally, and sometimes it's very simple,
1: but like I, I realized when was the last time I thought about my kids actually enjoying my presence, like my company? It's been a while since I actually thought like I should be someone my kids enjoy being around. Right. Like I think a lot about their behavior or the way they, they need to grow and I need to help them. But. So I realized it had been a while since I even asked myself that question. Do my kids enjoy being around me? Hmm. So for this Lent, I mean, that's my thing. Like each day I'm
0: going to wake up, and that's my main that's investment. A, that's a great thing. You know, it's interesting. We haven't even talked about this, but uh, I'm going after joy for Lent, and I haven't figured out how. So I, won't, <laughs> I want us to think about that over the course of the show. It's something to think about. So anyway, I'm excited about the show. Thanks for being here. We'll be right back. It's Paul George Hill. The Paul George show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity Healthshare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity Healthshare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity Healthshare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit solidarityhealthshare.org. That's solidarityhealthshare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George here. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening in. Have my wonderful friend Chris Fattis, Phoenix, Arizona. Are you actually in Phoenix? I know you live there, but are you actually there, Chris Fattis?
2: I'm there. I've been here. I think I'm gonna be here all month. I don't think I'm going anywhere this month. Nice, because every
0: time I talk to you, you're all over the place doing great things in the world. Uh, you work for um, Solidarity Health Share. Uh, do great work there, and you're also a small business owner. You own a restaurant, randomly Benny Plates. We've talked about that in the past, but I haven't asked you about it in a long time because you, you've got you guys have actually launched a location in Phoenix, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. But any plates, you know, we initially started just doing uh, meals that we prepare every week and, and ship out to the chronic meal to people with cancer and different diseases. And, uh, then we had the opportunity to open a, uh, a restaurant at a medical college. So we're actually, um, open to the public, but we're also serving all the students and, and faculty and the patients and their clinics and things. And, uh, really kind of cool. We're, we're, we're running a restaurant, you know? Yeah. Um, we ha- we're on Yelp, Paul. Like I, I have Yelp <laughs> reviews, you know? So, um, yeah, if people are traveling to Phoenix, and they ever want to check us out It's Any Plates Cafe. Uh, we're 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 almost five stars on Yelp, so that's pretty good. So
0: wow, that's amazing. Uh, it's been fun. So is it inside uh, the the medical school or what?
2: Yeah, it is. It's right inside there. They have this really cool community commons building, and and it's right inside there. But again, it's open to the public. You know, so we have people coming in off the street. We have you know students, we have patients, all that, and um it's been a lot of fun you know it's it's a, that that actually was a childhood dream of mine so um i didn't even think about that until after we opened i was like oh i just achieved a childhood dream like that <laughs> that's cool you know so well,
0: you are a foodie uh, man you've always loved food ever since uh i've known you um so anyway you're a small business owner uh and you you and i have talked a lot about solidarity health share it's this amazing uh health sharing company that really protects our rights and and um provides us with the coverage we need but in regards to like small businesses i i read in the news okay so i'm not as probably on top of things as you guys are because you'll have these conversations but i'm constantly reading in the news about how small businesses are losing their rights um to to just do what they you know to have freedom uh how do you guys partner or do you partner with small businesses to provide them coverage for their employees do you guys do this
2: yeah, you know, what we're doing right now, you know, we have a lot of very small businesses who are just basically referring their employees over, and, and a couple of them are just paying the bill for them and, and things like that. we've got several groups who keep coming, and we've had groups from 20 to 150, you know, coming over saying, we really got to do something different. And so we're actually in the process right now We've we've, uh, by the grace of God, we've had the, the gift of um, a legal fund provided by a generous donor that has allowed us to basically really look at what could we do for a true um, business version, you know, of this traffic solution to the healthcare problem and what can we do to, to help businesses? And so we're, we're about to release that here pretty soon. And, and I think we're going to be doing even more um, with small businesses and be able to put together packages that allow them to really support their employees um, in some ways evangelize their employees, you know, cause your employees may not all believe the way you do, but, you know, you give them this opportunity to be a part of a health sharing ministry, and they see, you know, what you and I have talked about several times on the show is, you know, this, um, this community aspect of, of what the faith brings, you know, and this, this compassion and care in their healthcare. So yeah, that's on the way. We're, we're doing a little bit of it now, people are just kind of putting it together themselves. But I think we're we're probably this spring going to be able to launch a really great effort for small businesses, which is exciting.
0: That's awesome. So if you're an individual or a small business, you can visit solidarityhealthshare.org. You get all yeah. that information. You guys are, are doing great work. Um, all right. So I, I was reading just recently too, and and I, and I love having you guys on, you and Brad, because I get to ask questions that most people don't, know about or they read about and they're like, I don't really know, but I was reading in Massachusetts how they're trying to pass an assisted suicide bill. Um, now this isn't a new thing. Other States have done it, but it seems like it's, it's a, a trend, um, that's happening more and more. Uh, are you in that conversation? What are you, what are you guys doing? I know you guys lobby a lot for things like that.
2: Yeah, we're, we're going to be entering into that conversation, at least from just a, uh, from a, media standpoint, you know I, I, you know, I, you know my story, Paul, with, with my first wife uh, had colon cancer. If you look at the Massachusetts, at the proposed law in Massachusetts, she would have been one of those people who they would say, well, we're not going to pay for chemotherapy, we'll pay for the assisted suicide pill, which is, that's the part that's scary, is what's happening is not just the law, that's saying, you know, people will say, well, just just people the option, you know, well, if that was the case, then why are insurance companies in California and Oregon regularly denying people for treatment if they have only six months to live? That's what's happening. They're they're denying them a treatment, and then they're saying, you can take this pill, and it'll only cost you a dollar twenty copay, you know? Wow. And um, they just make it easy. So that's the part. So, you know, I'm going to be throwing my, my hat in the ring just to help, uh, you know, get the word out about what would be missing. I mean, Angela would have been given two months to live. When she was diagnosed, she has to live 17 months, and those 17 months were – were nothing short of miraculous, in what happened for her, for our family, for others—you know—there um, was great purpose in those 17 months. And I think what we're what we're seeing, um, you know, not not just as solidarity, but just as people in this in in the church that are that are trying to um, promote, life, you know, the dignity of life. You know, we're seeing this this uh, escalation in the end of life issues, and we're not paying a lot of attention to it. Mm -hmm. um but you know roe v wade became law after five states had legalized abortion Mm -hmm. but we're at four states now legalizing assisted suicide gotcha so it's not we're not too far from that time when we're going to be fighting um you know fighting against there being some sort of federalized issue so it's definitely important for us to weigh in even if we don't live in massachusetts to, to really support those who are um i know mass citizens for life is a great organization there that are fighting that. So we're going to do our best to, to help with that. Um, and hopefully I can share Angela's story in a way that will, will wake people up of what, what they'd be doing to good people who deserve a chance at life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Talking to Chris Faddis, SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's one of the things that I actually didn't think about. Uh, and I'm glad you made that connection. Um, you know, because we think, oh, it's just individual states. And, and if you live in a state that maybe wouldn't pass that law, you think it wouldn't, you think, oh, we're sort of protected, so we shouldn't get in this fight, but I never really connected the fact that with the abortion becoming legal, when five states made it legal, then it became um, a federal law, um, and I didn't really think that that could happen, but you're certainly right, like that can happen, and more and more states who, who pass this law, then the federal government says, well, we're just gonna make it legal for every state, no matter what, right?
2: Right. Right. Yeah. You, then you start getting into Supreme Court issues and all that. And You know, right now we're probably OK for a little while. We've got a you know, we've got a, a good Supreme Court right now. We've got a good balance there for for life. And so that's good. But but we don't know what's going to happen, you know, so it's really time to, to push that. But it's also not even just that, but let's just those poor people, you know, these these elderly folks and ill folks in, in Massachusetts. We've got to protect them from this agenda. I mean, this we're, we're a lot of families are going to be harmed. Um, by this law, and think about you know, Paul. You remember what I went through with Angela. Think about if all of a sudden I got a letter that said her care wasn't going to be paid for. That's crazy. Because you know she was going to die. I mean, it just how devastating for a family. So you it know, doesn't when you have a matter. One year old mother of two. It doesn't matter if she's only going to live two months. It's worth fighting for her
0: life. Yeah. You know? So so they're not saying like it doesn't matter the age. They're not saying well if you're ninety, we're just not providing. Like they don't matter. It doesn't matter the age of the person. They're saying if the doctor. The medical uh you know experts say this person has two months to live they're just they're just gonna you know mandate it, it it'll
2: be determined by the insurance companies if they're willing to pay for treatment that's the part that and and it, this is this is what's scary these amoral insurance companies will be able to determine whether or not they will pay for treatment based on A diagnosis of of a terminal illness, which is you know six months to live, and and that the issue again, you know, diagnosis or prognosis of how long you have to live is is really not very um, accurate, not very predictive. I mean, yeah, a lot of people that you hear two months to live, and somebody lives six months or nine months or two. I mean, my my great grandmother had a brain tumor. They said she'd be gone in six. She lived eight years. (laughs) You know, so you you can't uh, can't really predict that accurately. I mean, there's good prognosticators out there, but but I just think it's not a, um, it's certainly not a good way to do it. And, and either way, even if it was six months to live, let the person live, you know? <laughs> right. So we, we, we've got to get our, get our voices heard and, and, and tell people. And I think, you know, I hope a story like Angela's will help people see the value of suffering and see, you know, I, what I think is people call this mercy killing. But I think we're not having mercy on these people because the mercy to be able to allow someone to have those final days of their final days before they meet the Lord, where they come to terms with things, and they, you know, they get to, uh, they get to make amends with family members, and they get to do, you know, live like like they have no tomorrow. It's mercy because in those final days, miracles happen for people, and and they come closer to our Lord, and their family is able to let go, you know. And so when we kill someone before they've had that opportunity, we we might be leaving them hanging, you know. I mean, if you think about it from a Catholic perspective, what if there was Suffering they needed to work out with God before they before they went on, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, could we be taking them away from from what the Lord has for them for their for for
0: heaven, you know? Yeah. And when you and I, you know, do talk about Angela and her story, you guys' situation, uh, and you look back on that extra time that she had to live when they thought that she would die earlier, that's time that you can never get back like that's the most precious time that you and your kids can look back on and say that that was a gift right to take that away Amen. from not only person who is dying but to take it away from the family that's where you know uh, it gets really difficult you know and it's hard because you know so much of our culture in our world right bro doesn't think through the lenses of faith and um, and and so they just think when I get to the end of my life I have no meaning and uh, no purpose, mm-hmm. and that's just not true. Um, right. Yeah. right. You have purpose and meaning uh, always until the day you die, and, and your suffering has meaning. And we, you know, we've we've talked about that, but even in the day-to-day, our suffering has meaning. We can offer it up. We can grow in holiness. It, it's preparing us for heaven. So speaking of that, um, uh, Lent is here, uh, and a lot of times we, we think of Lent as, you know, obviously fasting and suffering and growing and holiness. How does Chris Faddis approach Lent?
2: Hmm. You know, normally last minute, Paul. <laughs>
0: so, um, I love it.
2: Which you're not surprised by that. But, but I think 99% um, yeah, like, oh, of the
0: people listening just related well to you. <laughs> you know, they're like, yeah, right, last minute. Right. Okay, I got to start thinking about this.
2: Yeah, and then normally what happens is it's like Monday or Tuesday, and I'm like, well, wait, what are we doing for Fat Tuesday? Like, we got to plan that, you know. And then, then I'll go work on some fun dinner for our family, and then I'll forget about what am I giving up, you know. So, yeah, this year, luckily though, my wife was was um, was kind of early. She, you know, she was really thinking about it and processing it, and um, and so it kind of forced me to process it. So, you know, I'm going to do a couple things. I mean, you know, I'm going to join her in giving up soda and ice cream, which I don't really have a a huge um, chew with soda especially but but i think it's something we can support each other in um and then i'm gonna you know i'm gonna do the 33 days of state louis de montfort nice. over lent i'm gonna do the, the consecration i've never done that version i've never you know that's like the um that's like the graduate course in in uh in uh consecration to mary and I, i've been just feeling this call that i need to i need to make a clear commitment to uh to my Lord, and and so I'm gonna do that, and and uh, I'm telling you that on the air, so that I, you know,
0: I'll, <laughs> the guilt when
2: I decide not to follow through one day will be enough that I'll follow through.
0: You're you're accountable, man. <laughs> I'll just keep replaying it. For those people who are listening who don't know what you're talking about, uh just just give me a uh, just give us all a little glimpse on what that devotional it, you is. Know, it,
2: it, yeah, it's all about consecrating ourselves to the Lord through through Mary under her mantle. So mm-hmm i'm gonna you know do that there's a great so it's a it's a a 30 is it 30
0: days is it 33 days
2: yeah 30 days or 33 days um, it's a devotional, um, so it's a daily devotional yeah it's a devotional you pray you do rosaries you do you know acts of sacrifice and you know all those things and and i'll be starting that here um in a few days and uh kind of did some other stuff the first part of lent so you know and then we'll uh we'll just um, you, you pray. So there's a great one out there for folks who are completely unfamiliar and maybe it's like, well, I got to pray rosary today. Maybe that's a little hefty. I would recommend 33 Days to Morning Glory, which is a great book that, that gives a um, kind of a softer version of the consecration. But it was, that was a beautiful experience for me as well. And so I feel like it's time to go a little deeper. So
0: Gotcha. That's awesome. Uh, and last question, do you guys do anything as a family? You, you know, you have kids. Um, do you guys do anything as a family? Lent.
2: Yeah, you know, we, we actually, it's funny, we made a commitment to, with our parish, to our parish as a family that we would be doing rosary, a rosary every week as a family, um, and we never actually did it. So we just, you know, then you know how it is, right? You just get busy. Yeah. We never even talked about it again. And so that's what we're doing uh, as a family for Lent, making sure we do a rosary a week together. Nice. Um, and then, you know, we just, we do our best to try to, you know, make some intentional conversation around the table. Uh, when we're around the table and not eating on the road to sports or whatever, you know, but um, we try to, we try to have some intentional conversation about, about Lent, about the readings, about what's going on. The kids are each doing their own uh, devotional as well. So they're each picking a book that they can, um, that they can, or they each picked a book that they can read throughout Lent. So we're kind of trying to, trying to walk that path together as much as we can.
0: That's great, man. That's great. So Talking to Chris Fattis, solidarity, SolidarityHealthShare.org. dot If you're in Phoenix, you can certainly go to Benny Plates, the restaurant. I can't wait to go out there, man, and uh, and eat with you,
2: dude. It'd be fun. I can't wait to have you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: We just, we just, uh, man, it's been fun. Like, I know I'm like busy working solidarity all the time, but I get to go in and mess around with our chef, and you know, we like came up with a new sandwich the other day. Like, it's kind of a fun little outlet for me. Yeah. Um, so.
0: That's awesome. Well, we're all I can certainly tell you praying. Roasted
2: pork and grilled oh. apple sandwich, Paul. That's all I can tell you. Roasted nice. pork and grilled apple sandwich.
0: That's all. <laughs> Sounds healthy too, actually. So uh, it does, yeah. <laughs> any, anyway, man, thanks for taking the time today. We're certainly all need to pray for the situation in Massachusetts and 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 um, all the things that you guys are doing with solidarity. So I can't thank you enough, man, for taking the time and kind of filling us in on everything. All right, God bless, brother. All right, man, have a good one. Welcome back to the show. As I'm looking at that music playing in the background, it says Brazilian. Yeah, man. Is that what? It is?
1: That's, that's it. Yeah,
0: I like that. Feel it. I don't know what, what type of dance they do in Brazil, but I think I if that music either. was playing, I would probably bust a move. I don't know what kind of move, but I would do it.
1: Do you, you got some moves?
0: <laughs> Not really. <laughs> anyway, great to be back. Uh, Adam, you've been quiet over there, haven't you?
1: Yeah, soaking yeah, so in, so in the, the
0: Chris so Fattis conversation.
1: Always learn something new with Chris Fattis.
0: Yeah, actually, I he's a guy that keeps giving. That was a good interview, and I mm. actually did learn a lot. And it's kind of scary, uh, what's happening. And we don't want to freak people out, but this is just reality. Like we want to talk about reality. This is reality, and keeping it real on the Paul George show. Yeah, so we certainly need to pray for those things, and, and as we promote life and dignity, you know, we talk about as Catholics, you know, from conception till natural death. But to to actually understand what that means and how we can take action, what we can do, how we can pray, what's going on in our culture, those are important things.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So anyway, I know you've been sitting over there thinking about mm-hmm. the six-pack of questions, so let's do it. Question.
1: All right, question number one. So um, he we talked about his restaurant at the beginning, mm-hmm. and here's my question for you. You know how... Certain restaurants, let's say like Chick-fil-A or whatever, they focus in on one specific food and they just nail it. They do it well. So if you had to do this chicken tomorrow, a food that you could nail
0: and open a restaurant with, just one, mm-hmm. what would it be? Well, it's hard not to do, mess up. It's hard to mess up chicken, man.
1: You I would mean, go chicken? No,
0: no, no, no. I'm just oh. saying like Chick-fil-A nails it. The, yeah. There's a place in the South called Cane's. Mm-hmm. They do chicken fingers. That's it. Yeah, like that is it and they're really good you know so I get it like you do something you do it really well you know that's a I I got it this is what I would do I burger really yeah that's what you would I can't mess it up I will make a burger that's so good that you'll come back is that
1: right yes even with all the chains out there you're like this burger
0: yeah because it would be homemade which they don't have
1: big thick and big yes I mean just
0: you nail it huh
1: absolutely wow yeah okay that's a good answer
0: yeah question number now, two i would do a lot of varieties of burgers
1: of course yeah like a hawaiian burger yeah a, a seafood brazilian burger.
0: burger seafood burger <laughs> seafood burger yeah would it
1: have like cow meat or just seafood
0: no burger? like a burger with like you know some people do like the curly cues like mm-hmm. the fried you know i would do like fried shrimp layer
1: <gasps> yeah Wow. I'm, I'm, this is making me hungry. I know, actually. Question number two. Okay. So he talked about how this was his childhood dream to open up a restaurant. Yeah. So what was your childhood dream for something like that? Did you have a small business idea as a like kid? Like a food you truck like, or something? Or like as a kid, you're like, man, I'll open up this business and it'll be awesome. Did you? Not really. No?
0: <laughs> did you? <laughs> did you want to be like a famous musician? No. no. I never did, actually. My childhood dream, honestly, was either to be a fireman because I thought that that was really cool, um, or to be a professional football or baseball player. Um, uh, And then, and then those dreams ended. Um, But I I think, you know, um, outside of that, um, I never wanted to be a pilot. So you were just sure that I was not going to be a pilot. I hate heights.
1: That would be like a childhood nightmare. Yeah, so that would to speak. be a childhood nightmare. <laughs> um, and now you fly all the time. I never
0: wanted to like parachute. You know, like like stormtroopers. You mm-hmm. know, like or whatever the you know par- parachute troopers thingies. Not for Paul. No, it's not for Paul. Although it seems bold and brave, like I appreciate it, and I would probably do it. Like if you needed to, I think you would. if I needed to, I think you yeah. Would. But you know, oddly enough, I would love to have a restaurant. That would be fun.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. A burger one. Mm-hmm. Question number 3. Okay.
1: So, we talked about assisted suicide a good bit as an as an issue. I'm just curious because it's been a while since I hung around with young people and maybe but you you've worked a lot with young people over yeah. the, you know, college age, especially is where I'm getting what is the pulse on their view of assisted suicide? Should we be worried? Like what what where is the nation going according to our young people?
0: The view of I think most young people um that I interact with are that that they don't believe in abortion and -hmm. they don't believe in assisted suicide personally. Mm -hmm. Like they think that's mean to kill, right? And they understand, but they don't believe and don't think that you should tell someone else that they shouldn't. So we have a dilemma in a lot of young people who see naturally right and wrong, right? But they don't. They think it's mean to tell someone that they shouldn't do what they want to do. Mm. And so, therefore, they don't really fight to protect those rights because they think, ah, let's just let them do what they want to do. So, as long as there's options on the table, it can't be that bad, right? Right. Mm. Right. So, I don't think I wouldn't have an abortion or I don't think that person should have an abortion. But I, I don't think I should tell them what to do because that's mm-hmm. mean. Just like I shouldn't tell them what what orientation they should be, because mm-hmm. that's mean too, now using the word mean a lot, but that's actually the that's
1: that's how they talk about yeah issues, right? yeah, yeah, like that's mean,
0: that's mean, <laughs> so anyway, i mean so we have a dilemma is it, it, I think so I think it's more important today uh if if young people think through those lenses right, and that's okay like they they have they have a empathy for people, so they think, well, I don't want to hurt that person's feelings, right, so there's mm-hmm. nothing bad about that is the way we educate them is if you can educate them enough to be passionate about how to how to talk to someone about it without being quote-unquote mean Mm -hmm. fascinating stuff yeah
1: all right question number
0: four four adam question number four so
1: i hear things like this and i'm like what like like massachusetts bill that they're trying to pass whatever is this happening Is this real life? Mm -hmm. And so I guess just from my culture or something where we, or my family, or I don't know, like how do we get to the point as a nation or a state, like a big group of people to where we're willing to tell people that their life is not worth living? Mm -hmm. Um, What are the, what are the forces that, what am I missing? Like, I don't, I don't see how that kind of makes sense. Like, how does this happen in Far Off Lands? You know what I
0: mean? Well, it happens when, when faith isn't a part of life. It's not a part of culture, so people stop thinking through the lenses of faith and God. Like so, they have no empathy or love for people um, when it comes to suffering, and so they don't they don't see meaning in it at all. And that's what we're seeing in our culture, right? I mean, that and that's what's scary. So if you live in more of a, a place or a family of faith, then it, it it's common practice just to love someone forever, right? Yeah. And, it, and it's interesting, in our culture, we put so much value on people who can work, and then when they can't work, there's, no, there's not much value, whether you're a baby or you're old. Mm. And way back in the day, man, when you got old, your family just took care of you and you died at home. Mm-hmm. And you, people loved you to the end. Today, it's just like, man, once you stop working and you're retired and then you can't walk anymore, we're just gonna put you in a home. Mm-hmm. And good luck. Mm. And so people are dying alone. And so you got to think like some person, maybe an elderly person just sitting there alone and they think, I really have no meaning. So it's sad. It's, it's sad. very sad.
1: Yeah. And I think you're right. I mean, Massachusetts has so many Catholics
0: in it. Yes. Know, by, by baptism. Yeah. But they don't want to be mean to people. Mm. They want to hurt each other's feelings.
1: Mm. All right. Question number five. Yep. So is, is Chris, fr- this isn't a question. This is a side question. Is Chris from, from Phoenix or he just lives there?
0: He's from there. Okay, yeah,
1: perfect. So a guy from Phoenix used the word "Fat Tuesday" to describe, yeah, Mardi Gras. I, being from Louisiana, I guess I just assume that's a Louisiana thing. Like not many, not many other people. It's weird hearing pay it. attention to it. Yes, yeah, weird to hear somebody talk about it. So, as you travel around and get to know different places, is it is Mardi Gras like actually a thing in other places?
0: It's Fat Tuesday, which we never say. Right. Like, we never say the word Fat Tuesday. But if you're not from Louisiana, most people say Fat Tuesday. What do
1: they do? Like, in Phoenix, is there a little Phoenix parade going on? I mean, what's happening?
0: So, we've moved all over, and here's what's some really cool things about Louisiana is that, um, like, usually, like, there'll be an alumni chapter for universities from Louisiana in big cities, Mm -hmm. and you can go and watch football games and party with them, like LSU or UL or whatever. But there's so these chapters will also throw like local Mardi Gras, you know, fiestas. Really? It kind of spreads. Louisiana people are like the greatest evangelist of like food and partying (laughs) and and celebrations, like no (laughs) lie. And so, uh, but for the most part, yeah, no, people are just like, yeah, it's Fat Tuesday. I think I'm going to go eat. And then Lent's tomorrow. Like it's nothing like this. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Question number six. So we talked about
1: people struggling to find meaning at the end of their life. So it kind of makes sense to me that they struggled to find meaning their whole life, maybe. Mm-hmm. So that's the big question for you right now that we're going to end with is if we're in that boat right now, maybe we're listening to the show, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't really know what the meaning of my right. life is. Yeah.
0: Where do we go with that? Well, I think you can start by picking up my book. Rethink Happiness, and I don't mean to plug that, but I talk about this in my book because I talk about where we where we get our identity and our happiness. And I think for our whole life, our identity is put from a young age and what we can accomplish, what we're good at, what we can play, what sport, and then we get older, it just translates into our work or our family. Or our identity is really trapped in that. And unless we find our true identity outside of those things, we never really find authentic happiness. And so you find that people who... Uh, retire early, uh, they, they die early. Like, you know, they stop working and they lose meaning. You, mm-hmm. you see what I'm saying? Uh, and the reality is, is that people who live long, happy lives understand that they have, they have meaning. They, they have happiness that's not built on what they've accomplished in their life or what they've done or a title. Because guess what? All those things fade away. Mm-hmm. They, they leave us. Like, we don't have those forever. So if you were the homecoming queen in high school, guess what you're not? You're not the homecoming <laughs> queen anymore. Like it's over, uh, and and all those things in. And I think we come to this place where we're constantly searching, and until we find true uh, meaning in, and happiness in our relationship with God, then, then we constantly will search and search and search. And so we'll get old and we'll lay on our, on our bed and we'll think, you know, life's not worth living. And I have an aunt who, a great aunt who's in her nineties, and she's just crushing life, man. She's just <laughs> doing it because she's just got great purpose. You know, and she doesn't work, right? She just makes people happy, like, and because she has faith. Those are the things that we're really looking for in our life. Awesome. So anyway, great show, man. Thanks, thanks for plugging in today, making it happen, just being a part of it. Thanks, Chris Fattis. Uh, you can get the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, PaulGeorge.LA, which you can pre-order the book, Rethink Happiness. Right on the website. Um, it's kind of cool. It's on Amazon, books, uh, Barnes and Noble. It's crazy, man. That's a real bookstore. It's a real deal, holy food. Anyway, it's the Paul George show. We'll be back next week. God bless.